Hey, what an honor to speak on marriage today with my amazing bride, Kelly. We've been married 34 years. Um, oh, wow. The, the picture, it, it looks like we weren't even old enough to drive. I think we rode our bikes to the wedding. Uh, when we got married, we were, uh, I, I was almost 23. Kelly had just turned 21. Yeah. So here we are. It was an amazing day. Can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> I can't hear you. Could you speak a little bit louder? <laughs> I said, I can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> yeah, what a, great, uh, what a great day that was and a great day this is. And in addition to your birthday, which is special, um, we are celebrating 14 years of being the pastors of this church today. Today, 14 years ago, this was our first weekend as lead pastors, and what an honor to pastor you, one of the great honors of our life. And as we moved through February, then into March, the young married group at the time had a get-together here at the South Campus and played games. We went outside, and we did the three-legged race. Oh, the three-legged race. Here's a video, and if you've ever done this, it's awkward, it's crazy. Oh, yep, that happens. And it's fun and it's funny. Uh, how many of you have ever done a three-legged race? Let me see your hand in the room. You survived to talk about it. It's awesome. Ephesians 4 to us is going to capture the message that we have in our heart today. And it is also going to tie together what we've just told you. Talk more. You did the three-legged race, right, growing up. I did. I did. I loved it. Field day. It was my favorite day of the year. And I always signed up for three-legged race because it just seemed like the most challenging thing that you could do. And um, uh, I just absolutely loved it. And I really honestly cannot think of anything that illustrates what it is to be married better. (laughs) There we go. You you won't find this on like the fluffy videos that talk about marriage, but I'm just telling you. It's real talk. It's a three-legged race. It's a three-legged race. And so it's amazing how the principles um, and the directions for being successful in a three-legged race will really, really help us in our marriages. And so we're going to talk about that today. Let's talk about that. But first, let's set the context. We're going to go to Ephesians 4. So if you have your Bibles, turn there with us. Ephesians 4, we're going to begin reading at verse 1. And take it through verse six. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One God and father of all, who is over all and through all, and in all. Let's give God praise for his inspired word. That is rich. And it's from that that we have the message today. Notice he's talking to the church, but he will move to using a marriage as an illustration of what he's saying. And I just want everybody in the room to know this message is for you. It doesn't matter if you're married or not. This is the word of God. And the points and principles we're bringing out, they apply and can help us all even though it is a message to those of us who are married. And uh, you'll see the three-legged race through Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. When you Googled the three-legged race, what were the instructions? It literally says, stand shoulder to shoulder Shoulder with your partner. And then you have to kind of like put your inside leg 
yep. like that. And then mm-hmm. you have to tie it really tight around the ankle. Then you have to put your arm around the waist of the your running partner. And Favorite part. Then, right um, and then you have to step back with your yep. leg that isn't tied and mm-hmm. lead with the tied legs. So that's what it takes to at least get started on the on the path to success. So in the notes today, we hope that you will take away these things. From Ephesians 4, we have to, number one, lead with unity. Number two, we have to strengthen with support. Number three, stay in step. And finally, we finish strong. You see it? Let's say it together out loud. Come on, put your heart into this and let's, let's engage and learn. Number one, we lead with unity, we strengthen strengthen with with support, support, stay in step, and finish finish strong. Lead with unity. We lead with unity. Unity is our gift. We don't have to create it. Right. We are challenged to keep it. Right. To guard it. Let me tell you something about unity. Unity is a gift that two believers receive and inherit as a part of being saved by Jesus, right. and we have come under his lordship. That's it. This is why your choice matters. Right. It matters because this doesn't just, is just given to anyone who loves each other. This is a unity that it's inherited in the spirit. Jesus said, as the father and I are one, you are one. Right. And so that unity is a blessing, but just be encouraged. You have it. It's just on us to keep it, Right. And, you know, one thing that we don't often think about in our just day-to-day lives as married people is that we are, the Bible says, a representation. Marriage was to be a representation of Jesus' love for the church, for us, and his leadership over it. And so how we're interacting, how we're staying and leading with unity we over me, how that happens is, a, is on display for the world. Yeah. And it's not just that when, when that's off and things are wonky and we're walking in disunity, it's not just that we're kind of going through a miserable season or whatever. It's we are actually misrepresenting the greatest love of all. Yeah. And I pray today that if, if we don't take anything else away from this message, that all of us will just be reminded that we're showing the world the love of Jesus in the way that we relate and respond and love and walk in unity with our spouse. So when we're keep, yes, go ahead. So theologically, fundamentally, our marriage is for the glory of God. And that is where it brings a witness of him. The action word there was keep. We don't create the unity. That's a gift we strive to keep the unity. And it's love that initiates the unity. So if I am going to lead with unity, then I have to be saying, I love you to my spouse in a way that really says it. Every couple that we do pre-marriage counseling with, that's the first thing we talk about. Saying I love you in a way that really says it. Typically, I will try to express love in a way that says it to me. But if her love language is not the same as mine, then even in my good effort, I am not hitting the target. I'm not communicating. And there's going to be an unmet expectation. 
So this becomes obvious that we need to know the love language and we need to speak it. Uh, Gary Chapman wrote the book on love languages. You've probably heard of it. Read it. I encourage you to do so. He uses an illustration about a tank, like the tank on your car. It runs on full or empty or middle, and we all know what it's like to know we need to stop and fuel up, but we think we can go a little bit farther. And in marriage, if we run on empty, if we just keep pushing without filling that love tank, then there will be issues. In other words, we can't lead with the unity. Love is what initiates the unity. Uh, get that love. And if I've got to lead with unity, the question becomes, how do I strategically keep it? It's love that initiates the unity. Isn't it interesting that the first miracle Jesus ever, ever did was at a wedding? It was in the context of a man getting married to a woman and they ran out of wine. So he said, fill up the water pots. And it says they filled them to the brim. Here's a challenge, to the brim versus barely enough. Is my marriage to the brim, there's vitality because we're making that investment or are we running on barely enough? If I'm not careful and we run on barely enough, then it becomes an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It gets frustrating and fragmented. It's like Moses and the law becomes the CEO of the marriage. And remember, Moses turned water into blood. Jesus turned the water into wine. And what you're wanting in your marriage is always the new wine, the fresh work of God happening in you and between you. And so please hear the action word is keep, not just stay unified. I grew up in a day where uh, no matter what, you don't dare divorce. And I appreciated the emphasis on that but there wasn't enough emphasis, keep the relationship strong. I watched a lot of people, bless God, they stayed married, but they didn't like each other. They didn't love each other. It, are you with me? See, and I, let me talk to people my age. This next generation, they aren't gonna stay married just because. I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying that day has passed. If there's not a relationship, you know, they're not just going to be committed because I told you I was in it. And I know it's for better, for worse, but when they realize how much worse, worse can get. <laughs> and there's not any restoration. There's not a turning of a heart to God and to your spouse to invest. And you continue and continue and then the unity is lost. There is division. There is drift. You're not staying in step. There's no support and there's no embrace of strength. And that is where Christian or not, it's like, no. There is as much sin in somebody saying, I committed to honor, cherish, and love you and not doing that that there isn't any other sin. Right, right, right. Come on, talk back to me just a little bit. I know it got, that, that, do, you, do you hear my heart? Do you know I'm not undermining the importance right. of staying married? But I'm also trying to put right beside that the importance of staying happily married. Right. And I'm not saying it's easy, 
But I'm saying if I'm invested, then we're going to lead with unity. And the Bible says where one puts a thousand to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. It will be awesome. We joined hands and it has not been easy, but it's been the best. It has not always been fun, but it's always been worth it. And I can stand here today and tell you, it's as great as it's ever been. And this is what we've got to pass on to the next generation. Not, there was a day we sat in chairs and couldn't imagine life without each other. Let me talk to you from my vantage point. As a pastor, when I do premarital counseling, people are sitting there, you're trying to tell them, they're not even listening. We just do that because we do it. They're, they're ready. They can't imagine life without each other. I've watched those same two people, given enough time, be back in those same chairs, and they can't imagine going forward with each other. What happened? And you'll hear this. I love him, but I don't like him. I love her, but I don't like her. And they're in a crisis. They may be in ICU relationally. And you say, what have you been doing? Well, there's been no investment. There has been no intentionality. There's no way I can say I love you in a way that really says it to Kelly without being intentional. So let's just set that. Let's get proactive. How about this? If we all committed 15 minutes a day of solid, sincere, direct, undistracted communication with our spouse, you say only 15 minutes. The average couple, they're not spending near that much time. I'm talking no phone where you're talking and it becomes like this. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. How was your day? Really? That's awesome. What did you say? (laughs) And you know what I'm saying? Uh, We have all of these potential distractions. And so my encouragement is 15 minutes a day, undistracted, no TV, nothing, us talking. How about one night a week for a date night? It works on any budget. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It's about being together. How about one day a month? Imagine. Then one weekend a year. One weekend a year. Just get away, do a staycation, send the kids to somebody. They'll make it. (laughs) Put them out on the curb. Uh, And be together. Be together. Because watch this. If we can do these strategic things, we're saying, I love you. We are investing and we're going to get out of according to what we put in. This has never been difficult. God didn't want it to be difficult, but a great marriage, a thriving marriage, a strong marriage doesn't just happen. There's an enemy to this covenant, but there's a God greater than that enemy. And if we'll partner with him, we'll lead with unity and it will thrive. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. And I want that for you. Yes. I don't want you to feel stuck. God doesn't want you to feel stuck. Right. God wants you in this marriage and for it to be better and better and better. There are that please don't look at us and say, well, that we have been through it. Some of the lowest of the lows. And so we're not coming across as we've always got we're saying to you out of our story. And from Ephesians 4, we've got to lead with unity. Unity's given. It's on us to keep it. Therefore, we get intentional.
Let's praise God that we can lead with unity. I'm holding a card. Here's an example. We're doing a, there's a marriage encounter coming to our city. If you're not part of Night to Shine next weekend, it'll be here in our community. And I, I hear there are only two spots left. And I would pay your way if you and your spouse want to go. That's just one example of saying, let's set aside a weekend. Come, come get this card. Anybody that wants this will take care of you. There's only two spots left. We'll cover both if you want to go see Pastor David. Let's go now. Write this down. Let's strengthen with support. I love this point. I love this point. I'm bracing my marriage when I embrace my partner. So good. In the three-legged race, obviously this is important. Right. You can't just be all out here and like you're here. You've got to be efficient with your space. But I don't want to be tied to someone that I really don't like. And so some of the things that you were describing mm-hmm. in how we can't just let ourselves drift in the default mode. Right. <laughs> because we're flesh after all. Right. Right? And so there are things that we can do to make myself more likable to the person that I'm unified with. So we remember the race instructions. We strengthen with support. And if I'm running connected to you, I want you to like me. And I need to be self-aware and I and ask myself often, what is it like to be tied to me? Have you asked yourself that lately? What is it like to be tied to me? Um, I love the, uh, our it's text. It's like a ball and chain. <laughs> no, that was a different song. Oh, okay. But since we brought up songs, to your point, Willie Nelson's the only guy I ever know that knew that got got away with saying you were always, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't, but you were always on my mind. Mm-hmm. I never and he's liked, single. I never liked that song. I'm like, That's no, why he's single right no, there. Somebody else might believe that, but not mm-hmm. me, buddy. Yeah, uh, he's single. <laughs> on the other hand, Quincy Jones, 100 Ways. That's a great song to listen to. Um, anyway, <laughs> find 100 Ways, guys and girls. That really, really helps. Closeness matters. Let's look at four ways that um, we can strengthen our relationships yes. with support. We can draw our spouse in in these ways. Number one, being humble. Humility, it's a strength found in my identity with Christ. That's where it comes from. It's yep. a strength, right. and it's found only in my identity with Christ. My flesh will never want to be humble. Yeah. Identity in Christ that does call me to keep the right value and view of my spouse. I got to realize that an inflated view or value of myself is the enemy of love. Yes. Let me say that again. An inflated view of myself or value of myself is the enemy of love. And be gentle. Just just come in easy. Don't be a wrecking ball <laughs> into every conversation and every day or a, a life interruption. It happens to all of us. Yeah. Or just a new season of life. Like come in with gentleness. Like just ease in and just see how much that helps our relationships. That would be so good. And then patience. Let's not talk about Did patience. Did Paul really have to say that word? We can't stand that uh, word. Nobody likes a long sermon. So let's just move past that. <laughs> I was going to say, let's, well, the one thing we can yeah. all say, can we yeah. all agree yeah. Look, that, that the Super Bowl is it. in a week. We've got to move on yeah, to move on. <laughs> the next point. Oh, how we need patience, right? But I want to spend a little bit time on this next word, and it's forbearance, forbearing. 
We don't this hear a, that word as often as we hear right. the others. And there's a little bit of the elements of, of forgiveness and patience within forbearance. It's um, the fruit temperance that we see in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, forbearing is defined as the intentional action of abstaining from doing something. Right. The intentional action of abstaining from doing something. Um, in the context of finances, it's where there's... Um, an amount owed and a time period, a time frame, and then more time is needed. And so there's a forbearance. Um, there's mercy given. That time is extended. The terms are restructured um, to allow for that. And that's the context here. And in a relationship, forbearing actually means to allow yeah. for differences yeah. and even offense. Mm. Forgiveness is following an action or a, or a hurt. I, I offer forgiveness because I've been forgiven. Forbearing is different. It's just, it's allowing for it. It's knowing that it's going to happen. And that's good. Understanding and accepting that expectations are often not going to be met. Things that are hurtful are going to be said. It's going to happen. So I'm forbearing. I'm going to bear with forbearance allows and gives room for that fault it says to my spouse you're human i'm human disappointments will happen it's going to happen but we're not going off the rails that's it i'm going to bear with you i'm going to bear with you you know, early in our marriage, I was having a converse, phone conversation with Joanne, my sister, and we had been married just long enough that he was getting the real me, and I was getting the real him, and there was, there was nothing like... You got that, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, you know, it's just, it, it just happens, and there's a time that, that you reach that point, and... Um, you know, so Joanne and I were having a conversation, and nothing big had happened at all. It was like, just everyday marital frustrations, guys. That's just what we were talking about. And I was talking to Joanne, you know, just kind of like, yeah, my sister, you know. And she stopped me mid-conversation and she said, she said, Kel, yeah, I mean, I hear you, but it, it just kind of sounds like you're expecting a lot, maybe. Man, I love her. And, oh, <laughs> yeah. To this day, she would take his side, <laughs> and we're really close, but she, was, she loves him more, I think. But, um, but anyway, she just said, you know, there is someone who is perfect, you know, in case that's what you're looking for. There is someone in your life that's perfect, who's never made a mistake, loves you so much, and it's not Ron. <laughs> it's Jesus. He actually died on a cross for you. She said this to me. He's the one that was on that cross. And you've got to get Ron off that cross because he's not that person. Because she said, there's some things that are not great that could happen if you don't. If you don't see him and recognize him as a man, the man that he is, he's a man. And she didn't say that in a derogatory way. She was just pointing out that he was human. And that if I didn't see him in that way and take those expectations off of him, I couldn't feel the compassion for him that I needed to feel for him as being human, as someone who makes mistakes. If I don't feel that compassion for him, I'm probably going to miss 
a way that I need to pray for him. And as his wife, I am that first line of defense. I'm the one who lifts him up in prayer. I'm the one who sees him like no one else does. I see things maybe that he, his own blind spots, I might be able to see and help him out. But if I don't have the the correct view of him and I'm expecting too much of him, then I'm not going to be able to feel that compassion and I'm not going to be able to see with just the wisdom that I need to see him with to be able to pray for him and love him and uh, be to him what he needs. And so I don't know if anybody else's sister talks to you like that, but uh, that's that's basically what she said to me. And it really turned a light on for me because I was putting way too much of just my own self, my security, my happiness. I, I just, I loved you. I love you still. I loved you then, but I was just putting too much responsibility on you as it related to me. And she really uh, taught me what, what was in the hands of God and my relationship with Jesus and how to be happier um, in the day-to-day in marriage. And I love that. And she gave me um, two thoughts that come from that. And I want to give them to you today, two words that will help us cultivate forbearance as people, even with people that were just others around us, but especially with our spouse. And those two words are trust and remember. Our first instinct needs to be trust. The question, do I trust that God is in control? Do I trust that he's the leader of my life? And do I trust that he's going to make everything right in the end? It's in his hands. Whatever it is, it's in his hands. So he's going to make everything right one day, and he can make this right. I'm going to trust him with it. I'm going to look to him. That's the first question. The second question is I'm going to remember. The second word is I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember that, hello, (laughs) I'm human too. I'm going to remember that I was forgiven of everything even before I did anything. Mm. Mm. That's powerful. That's grace and that's mercy. And I've received it. And so I'm going to give it. Those two things I think will help us. And as we just abide in the vine, this is not something our flesh will ever suggest or get close to producing. Don't think that people are just good enough to just walk in forbearance their whole life. This is a fruit of the spirit. This is evidence of a, of a branch engrafted into the vine. Walk with God that happens on a daily basis when we surrender and say less of me, more of you, God in my life. And that will help us. That's good. Thank you. It's awesome. And I have been so blessed and strengthened by that kind of embrace, that kind of support. I think for guys, we strengthen with support by speaking security in moments or times of insecurity. I cannot be Kelly's security. Again, only Jesus can be that one who meets all of our needs. And if you pass that over to your spouse, then you're asking something that they can never do. But I can participate as the person who loves her so much that if I am picking up that there's an insecurity, the enemy is trying to create a narrative of what you're not or what you'll never be, and, and he does it with all of us, then I can speak security in those times of insecurity. Yes, because we know compliments build confidence. 
And so I don't want to just think it and really guard against this. If you see uh, your wife is struggling with something, it's not like, well, you should just be more, uh, you should just be more secure. You just need to get over that. Like, that's not going to work. I want to testify today that that will not work. So, and I don't want to also have thoughts in my mind about how much I love her. She is absolutely the standard of beauty for me. But just to have that in my mind and not ever say it, I need to speak it. And at times I'll be speaking it and it'll be life-giving because often the root of insecurity is fear. And when you are speaking encouragement and faith, you're speaking life. You're speaking hope. You're, You're speaking strength. You're speaking the promise of God. And I would love to know that the Lord can use me to interrupt the accuser, the enemy of trying to create a dialogue, a narrative. I would love to know that God could use me to interrupt that and reset truth where lies are trying to form a pattern of thinking. So we strengthen, we support with strength, guys, when we speak security in times of insecurity. Compliments build confidence. Amen? Now let's talk about this. We're moving to staying in step. And when it comes to staying in step, It is so vital that there is a rhythm. Talk about staying in step. Yeah, there is a pace, you guys. There's a pace where we are together, uh, we're unified, we're running. The movement of our lives is synchronized. And we all know if we've been married any length of time that there are times that we just, we stumble. And just like those couples in the video, it's going along kind of great. And then then there's just something that causes us to stumble. And the great thing that Ecclesiastes um, holds this verse that says, if one stumbles, two are better than one is the concept is going in that passage. And it says, if one stumbles, the other is there to pick them up. And that so that happens so often in our relationship. And um, it is something that can happen. But when we have to uh, adjust, readjust and like get back in step in that pace, um, there is a peace that, that we can have. Um, the pace of a powerful, healthy marriage is the tempo and knowing that we're two different people. If left to ourselves, my pace is a little different from yours. But when we're unified, it's important to find that common pace and that common tempo. Um, this happens in music. Um, I can't sing unison by myself. Another person sings the same pitch that I sing in the same time and we begin at the same time and we're singing in unison. And then harmony is beautiful when two voices are singing different notes, but they're placed um, in the right way. And there's agreement there. And man, when that tone is the same and the blend is there, there's, there are a few things that's more beautiful than to hear um, music played or sung in harmony. And so that's what we're going for. We're not losing our uniqueness as individuals, but now we're tied and we're unified and we're going to find that pace through the seasons. And we know that as the seasons change, we adjust a little bit. Mm-hmm. We've adjusted to empty nest. Mm-hmm. We would, if we had it our way, all our kids would still live just right. I mean, right? Kind of. Kind, kind of? of. Kind okay. Of. Yeah. Well, 
Just for the record, kids, I vote for yes. Dad's a kind of. Dad's a kind of. I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> oh, I am too. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying different seasons call for different things. And we're, yeah, we're, it's been it. fun. Right. It's been fun to learn Every ourselves season. now that we're together more than we used to be um, without uh, with f- less things to focus on. So there's adjustment in that. And in that forbearance, we allow for our spouse uh, to adjust as we find that rhythm. But in music, it happens that way. And I remember even in taking piano lessons, I would play duets sometimes with my teacher. If you've ever played a piano duet, it's awesome because you learn your part and they learn their part. And then it's so important that as you count it off, that you begin at the same time. And then you have to maintain that tempo, you can't rush it and you can't drag. You have to stay or else what is perfectly good music will sound muffled and muddy. And so it, it happens in, um, in our lives in, the, in much the same way. So good. So that is exactly where the threat of the enemy will be. He's going to threaten the unity. He's going to try to divide where the strength is diminished. And then the pace changes you get out of that, that synchronization, and you drift. You just drift into different directions, and then there is that, that space between you that gets occupied with unforgiveness, even bitterness. That's where people emotionally flatline over time, and this is where the person that you couldn't imagine going forward without, now you're wondering, can we stay married? I want to give just a quick word to those of you that have kids. We are so grateful that we had Christian homes where our mom and our dad, they invested, and and there was peace in my home. There was peace in Kelly's home. There was peace in my grandmother's home. There was peace in her grandmother's home. And we didn't have the maturity as kids to know, but we do now, the force and what that cultivated in us, that we got to come in from whatever's going on in our life, you know, growing up, trying to figure out, uh, getting, you know, going through the stages. But when you came home, there was peace. Your peaceful home doesn't guarantee how your kids will turn out. I mean, Adam and Eve, God was their father. And so he, they had the perfect father. And they had all of these yeses and one no, and they took the no. So no matter how great we are, it doesn't guarantee how our kids are going to come out. But parents, with this present generation being now marked and named as the generation of anxiety, their age is the age of anxiety, I would like for us as parents to say, when our kids come into our home, no matter how anxious it's been, they're going to walk into an environment that is marked by the peace of God because there's peace between mom and dad. So good. So good. And over time, that is going to cultivate something in them that is so important. And so let's, let's do that. That is one way to be light in this dark time is that this home with us. Now watch, if, if we drift and go in different directions, we're no longer in step then what's going to occupy this space is the strife, the bitterness, the brokenness. Now watch, this is what my kids will be coming in and out of. And they will have to figure out how to process that. 
I want to give you an illustration. To every husband, you've got to maintain your personal relationship with Jesus. To every wife, you have to maintain your personal relationship with Jesus. And as you grow, notice, and your spouse is growing, you, by nature, will be growing closer. If you drift from God, you will drift from your spouse. A professor at the University of Virginia did a secular study on marriage and found the results that when a husband and wife are in love with Jesus and actively growing in Jesus, it was those marriages that prevailed. They added to the study and they also were faithful attenders of church. And that part meant they didn't just come regularly, they were involved in the spiritual disciplines of Bible reading, of praying, and community. So it goes all the way back to Jesus' plan that we've been given each other, we've been given the church, we've been given the scripture, and we have community. And when we are actively in those spiritual disciplines, that's my personal relationship. If I'm doing that and she's doing that, this word guarantees that your covenant will be in place, it will be fortified, it will be blessed, and your marriage will be blessed and full and thriving, not easy, but awesome. And then that is what your kids get raised in, and they enter their future and have a whole different perspective and a whole different uh, concept and worldview of what marriage is. And perhaps the greatest way will change the world is when God is glorified by how a husband and wife are honoring, cherishing, and loving each other. Let that get, get deep, get deep. So see, this goes back to my point. If I stay distant from God and she stays distant from God, but yet we believe in God and our marriage was quote unquote a Christian marriage. None of that guarantees intimacy. The guarantee comes when we are in surrender to the process of spiritual growth. Here's why. When I am growing in the Lord, the voice of reconciliation, the Spirit's voice stays strong and loud in my heart. So when we get into a disagreement and an argument, and we're both verbal, we can argue. I was raised in a pastor when he'd talk about he and his wife, he'd say, we just have intense fellowship. We don't, we argue. And so when we do, what, what makes me able to overcome my pride and say, I messed up, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that, forgive me, is the voice of reconciliation that's fresh and strong. When I drift from God, that voice goes dormant, and, and it's easier to stay angry. It's easier to stay divided. The devil, he, he can't work with anger. He works with aged anger. It's when you let it stay and you let the sun go down on that wrath. And over time, he will build other issues out of what occurred. Now it's been stockpiled. And now there's just like this avalanche that can disrupt or even destroy a relationship. And it's the voice of reconciliation that says, Ron, get over yourself. Even if I've been done wrong, 
Get over it. That's that forbearance. It's the Holy Spirit saying, come on, you're living in a, a spirit of forgiveness. You're forgiving before you're even crossed. Like, can't we do this with the Lord's help? And isn't it worth it? It is. And so I just put this in front of us to say the way we stay in step with each other, we got to stay in step with God. Yes. If I walk in the spirit, walk with the spirit, stay in step, the Bible says, then we can stay in step. I, I will tell any couple, I guarantee you, your marriage will be awesome, not easy, but awesome if you do it God's way. He wrote the book. He created it. He has the blueprint. If I want to live in compromise, then I'm short-circuiting the power and the plan. So the revival needed is a revival back to the word of God and surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and, and the idea of submission is she got one verse on submission. I got six. And we come in with mutual submission because when I'm submitted to God, we can come into mutual submission with each other. Yes, yes. And then we are moving in grace and we're moving in power. We're moving in forgiveness. Right. And we're moving in the wisdom of God, the help of God. And we will, here's our conclusion, finish strong. Yes. Every one of us are called and we can finish strong. As the worship team comes. When we were married, January 21, 1989, our story started. And what we've shared with you today is what we have learned about the formation of legacy. We want to live and leave a legacy. Your legacy lives on after you're gone. We are still living in the strength and influence of the legacy of our grandparents. These are people that are in heaven today. And yet we are impacted by their legacy because their legacy lives on. Same with you, same with us. And the way you build your legacy and leave a strong legacy is you lead with unity. You strengthen with support. You stay in step. And then you're set up to finish strong. I've thought many times about that day, January 21. It's an awesome day in my life. I think the greatest decision you will ever make is your decision to accept Jesus. The second greatest decision is if you choose to be married, who you marry. And I'm so thankful for that day and I'm so thankful for you. But I now know that what's to me more important than that day is our last day because this is more than just who we are as much as I cherish you we have a legacy that we want to pass on to be influential after we're gone and so we entered with dreams and hopes but the key is are we still holding hands and are we still in step dreaming and believing now we have 34 years of memories and we don't want to get relaxed and just live out of the memories. We want the memories and still have the imagination of the best days that are in front of us. So we're still dreaming. And when you get hit by life, when you get impacted by the way life happens and we have, you, it, it can make you put your dream on the shelf and you're just trying to survive. 
And we want you to know if you're just in a season of surviving, we've been there. We have been there. But here we are as a testimony to you that God is faithful. He will keep you. He will bless you. And here we are today. And uh, The story of this couple that I read recently, they were married 69 years. They lived in Tennessee. They loved holding hands and they just held hands every day. It was such a part of their relationship. And the husband became very sick and he passed away before his wife and he stepped into the presence of God with his wife holding his hand. So he held her hand basically all of his days. But what she didn't know that he had prearranged that for the rest of his wife's life, he had set it up where she would get flowers and a card on her birthday and on their anniversary. And so his story was, she not only held my hand all of my days, in some way I held her hand the rest of her days. And man, that does something to me. Kelly and I joined hands 34 years ago. And when we go to sleep at night, we are holding hands. And I should say, we're holding hands until I have to reposition myself because I'm 57 now and I can only lay in one position so long. I'm like, sorry, I got to turn. But until then. (laughs) I thank God for January 21. And it's an honor to hold your hand. And I want to hold your hand and thrive until the Lord calls us home. And I want that for every one of you. I want this to be a church that champions your marriage. And if you failed, if you've messed up, if there have been issues, then you can get it right today. You can come before the Lord and just surrender. What do you do? Just do what you used to do. That's what Revelation says. Start fresh. Go back and do what you did. Repent and start fresh making that investment. I'm telling you, I've seen, don't you throw out a good spouse in a bad season. You know, all of us go through tough seasons. Don't throw out a good spouse in a bad season. You, you, you keep at it. You come under the help that is available to you and, and, and let people pray and speak wisdom and fight with and for your marriage. I want to invite all the married couples, will you stand? And if your spouse is here, I want you to kind of like the three-legged race, go shoulder to shoulder, leg to leg, and put your arm around them. And I'm going to ask Kelly to read this blessing over you and then to pray over you today. Just pull each other close. I love this. Uh, We're back to our text that we began with, and this is the message paraphrase of Ephesians 4. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily. Mm pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were all created, called 
to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Father, we love you today. We thank you for marriage. We thank you for this relationship, Lord, that is so powerfully demonstrates your love for your church. We thank you, God, for what we have heard today. And I just feel to remind us that the finish line is forward and we press forward to that goal. Give us all, Lord, that that grace, God, to forget the things which are behind in a way that would hold us back, to remember things that will help us, that will strengthen us, that we can learn from, but to press ahead for that prize, Lord. I thank you, God, that so much we've heard today that talks about spiritual formation. That is what you're all about. You're shaping us, God. So I ask you, Lord, to give us receptive hearts. I pray that these words will fall on good ground and that every one of these couples, I know, Lord, as they leave, they have the creativity, they have your spirit within them. You will speak to them exactly what, where those adjustments need to be made, where that growth needs to happen. And I pray, God, that you will find our hearts humble, that we'll be gentle, that we'll be patient, that we'll be forbearing. And most of all, that we'll remember that the grace that we extend is a grace that we've received without limit. So thank you for your word today. Thank you for the love that you've given us. And I pray that our years that are left to come will be the greatest. We pray blessing and favor and and just goodness on every married couple here today, Lord. I just pray that you will strengthen us and use us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise for what he's done today.